Welcome to Inspiring Health with Dr. Roxana Gabster, President and CEO of WellSpan Health, as she hosts candid conversations about organizational culture, value, and other pressing issues we face in healthcare and business today. At WellSpan, our 20,000 team members continuously seek better ways to work as one and meet the needs of our friends and neighbors. On this episode of Inspiring Health, I'm joined by Dr. Stephen Fleck, one of our exceptional WellSpan physicians and an innovative medical director who oversees primary care practices in Franklin and Cumberland counties. Dr. Fleck has been instrumental in working with these practices to find a better way to streamline operations and effectively manage workforce issues. His forward-thinking efforts have created opportunities for our team members to collaborate and engage with one another to deliver and maintain high-quality, personalized care for our patients. Welcome, Steve, and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Roxanne. I know you wear many hats, so I'd like to start by asking about your work as a primary care physician and a medical director at WellSpan. Can you share with our listeners more about your role and responsibilities? Sure. Uh, my role has kind of developed over the last eight years. Um, first, I was an assistant medical director and then medical director for Legacy Summit. Um, I am from Chambersburg, and I had the opportunity to come back home um, 23 years ago to see patients in my community. Uh, eventually, my role um, changed so that I am about 60% clinical uh, and about 40% administration time. Uh, I also see newborn patients at the hospital. Um, I work in a place called Wellspan Philadelphia Avenue, uh, we have about 11,000 patients, very busy practice. Uh, we get about 250 phone call volumes per day and about 600 uh, messages in our in-basket per day. I work with two, uh, one other physician, four physician assistants, and two uh, nurse practitioners. As the medical director of um, Franklin and Cumberland County, I work and coordinate care Amongst our offices, uh, there are 12 practices altogether. I share a dyad relationship with Jenny Smith, who's our director of operations. Uh, I've also had the opportunity to work with Dr. Shoshansky and Betsy So uh, in our uh, practices in the West. We uh, have the opportunities to go out to the offices pretty frequently. Uh, I meet with my uh, site directors on a quarterly basis. I try to get out to the office to meet all the new providers uh, at 30 days and six months. Uh, and I spend some time with people that are having challenges. And so we work to try to make certain that we have a presence in our offices. Oh, that's fantastic. Super important to support the teams. I know one of your practices was facing some really complex challenges due to staffing changes and that you pulled together team members from that practice to better understand and analyze those challenges so you could design a more effective plan to address them. Wondering if you could share more about the issues you were trying to address and how you and the team determined the best solution to correct the problem. Sure. We've had a lot of challenges, um, both provider issues. We've had um, transitions of multiple providers uh, from our region. We've also had clinical and front desk challenges uh, that we've been faced with. And again, this isn't new across the country. Lots of primary care offices are having difficulties. Uh, we have other offices in our regions uh, that are also challenged right now. We have a lot of competition for positions. There are a lot of um, competitors who are uh, trying to also seek these same individuals. We have other companies that are looking to try to recruit our front desk people. Uh, and so it does make it very difficult. Uh, primary care particularly is very challenged across the country for various reasons right now. And not a lot of people are going into primary care and certainly not enough people going in um, for the patients that we need to take care of. So, you know, we at Philadelphia Avenue had specific challenges related to four full-time providers who had transitioned over the last couple of years. Uh, and there were various reasons for that. 
Um, but we're here to talk a little bit about our clinical challenges and front desk challenges. We have had uh, Project A3s developed for both the provider challenges and the front desk and clinical challenges. Uh, and so we've worked on things to try to help stabilize our area and our office. So specific to Philadelphia Avenue, we had a lot of patients that were displaced, um, sometimes up to five or 6,000 patients at a time, uh, which creates a lot of indirect work. Uh, there were a lot of uh, difficulties with managing that indirect work. Uh, and then there became less and less clinical staff and less and less front desk staff to manage all of these complicated things. Um, as that indirect work and the direct work increased, then there were more people that transitioned out, which then leaves more work for the individuals that are here. So we really realized that we needed to make certain that we did something. I mean, obviously, we weren't going to be able to get back to the same level of staffing that we had before. But it was really important that we did something. And so we pulled a team together. So our team was uh, our lead provider, uh, our office manager, our front desk lead, um, our clinical lead, uh, and myself. And so we, we sat and we talked a little bit about what kinds of things we needed to have, what kinds of things we needed to have in place to make certain that we um, covered the care for the patients. You know, there were fewer staff. There were more things to do with less people. There were a lot of expectations, you know, patients, you know, have been displaced and we want to make certain that they had a safe landing. We want to make certain they got their refills, they got their answers for their test results, that sort of thing. Um, we still needed to try to recruit new staff. So somehow we had to come up with a visual representation. You know, this is not the end answer, but this was our start. This all relied on teamwork and communication. And those are really important pieces to any of our lean efforts that we've done in our office. So when we have different things that we need to do, we want to make certain that we make them very visible. And so we started by putting white papers up on the wall. Very simple process where we could take a look at the schedule, look at the providers, look at the staff who was here, and determine how we could make some adjustments to make it easier. You know, if a clinical staff had to work by themselves after hours with multiple providers, it became less safe. Uh, and so it was really important that we called that out and made sure that we, we continue to provide high quality care. We want to make certain that we continue to monitor our clinical effectiveness scores. Our press gaining scores, of course, are very important. We talk about those all the time. Patient experience is really important. And it's very difficult to accomplish whenever you have less people. So it's also something that we really needed to call out because there were new people that were coming and we do have applicants that apply and we need time to train those new individuals. And so it was important that we started out with this visual process so that we could jump from our work from there. Well, that sounds like an amazing process and a very collaborative one as well, Steve. So that's great. You know, sometimes we talk about WellSpan having 20,000 problem solvers, and it sounds like this experience was probably really valuable for your team from a number of different perspectives. Certainly the fact that they had a lot of input into the work that they were doing, and they're the people who know the work the best, so the best people to find the solutions. When you were working with the team, what types of questions did you ask team members to help guide them through the process and think through the options? And then can you speak to the value and importance of asking the question why in examining these questions? Sure. We talked to all of the, uh, the office staff. And so we had individual meetings. So the clinical staff had their meeting and the front desk staff had their meeting and the providers had a meeting. You know, we had met as a leadership group and had some ideas, but we wanted to make certain that everyone was on the same page. You assume that everyone understands the challenges, but sometimes you find out that they do not. And so making certain that everyone is aligned with what we're trying to accomplish 
my perspective uh, on a patient visit or processes through the office might be different than a front desk person. Uh, and it might be equally important to the actual end product. So it's very important that you get input from those individuals. When we looked at changing our schedules, that impacted not just the patients, but it also impacted the staff. And so for good and bad, we needed to have a conversation about, okay, well, if we limit hours on certain days, how will that look? And what will it mean to the office? What will it mean to the patients? We needed to count the number of appointments after hours from five to seven, make sure that we kind of maintain the same number of visits and the same access to our patients. We talk a lot about access and that was an important part. So we ask a lot of five whys. Um, this part of the of the A3, I struggle with probably the most. Um, B. Hoffman and Mandy Backner, these have been my, my lean senseis. Uh, I always have a hard time getting to the root. Um, we ask a lot of whys, and I tend to get more whys than, than an answer. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, why are we not able to fill positions? You know, is it challenging? Do we have a good culture in the office? Are we able to onboard someone? Do we have enough time to talk to an applicant? You know, why... Don't we have more applicants? Are we not out in the community? Are we not out in the school? Do people not know that we have appointments available? Um, why are the office staff having difficulties with conflicting responsibilities? There's less staff. There's more work. So it's very difficult. So when my flow manager, Emily, is in the room with a patient, there's a lot of indirect work that's coming in. So those things are really difficult. And so we wanted to get the perspective of the, of the staff, and we wanted to get the perspective from the providers. Interestingly, also, it's important to ask, why do people stay? So there's a lot of work that's been going on right now. Dr. Ridge Salter has shared something from the advisory board called Stay Interview. Very interesting. And I've been doing that with providers, but also some of the managers have been doing that with the staff as well. So the, it is a five-question uh, survey that kind of goes, you know, are we doing enough to try to help support you? What would entice you to leave? Are we fully using your talents? And have we recognized you? Those are important questions for people because, again, that's why people stay. You know, we have had a very difficult time in my practice, but we have really engaged people who really are aligned in, in the work that we're doing and care about the patient outcomes. And so I believe that that's what carries us through. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. And we know that people want to do work that has a purpose, that has meaning for them. And so asking those questions about how we're supporting people and whether we're using their talents is really important. It's a really great example, too, of using the lean methodology that our teams have been using to support their, their work. I'm sort of curious about how you continued to engage the team in determining the next steps in developing your action plan. So it is really important. I learned in my lean training that you have to be very deliberate and very regular with your updating of your A3s. Um, Initially, it seems sort of silly to have that paper that I had to keep updating, but it's very important because it outlines who's responsible for what and is really important so that you know and someone is held accountable to the things that we are trying to accomplish. So again, that visual clue um, to what we are working on and how we're going to work on was really important to understand the schedule. I uh, also took a look at my clinical and administration schedule and realized that it wasn't really conducive to the staffing. Um, my Flow manager, Emily, is also the clinical lead. And so she needed to be available to help um, room other patients for another provider. And so we had to make some adjustments there as well. So that was a real important thing that we really tried to put in place. That's great. It's clear the schedule serves as the backbone of the primary care practice operation. It's likely a place where you can find efficiencies. Did you and the team take steps to address the challenges with the schedule? We did. 
we have a lot of different opportunities. So we have an OFI board that sits uh, in our middle hallway. So people can submit ideas. So ideas that come up, things that people think might be interesting. And then the really important thing is to try to help close that communication. So if you come up with an idea, very frustrating if you never hear anything back about your idea. Some things you can just implement. You know, we learned that with Lean that it's really important that, you know, certain things you can just go ahead and do. If it doesn't work, then don't do it again. If it did work, then share it with your friends. That's a very important part of, of what we tried to do from our, from our improvement efforts. Um, but we also had continued meetings. So I think that part is important. So we scheduled deliberate time each week on the calendar with our leadership team to talk about what's going well, what's not going well, other opportunities that come up. Because during this whole process, we had people go out on FMLA. We had additional staff resignations. Uh, fortunately, we've had a very stable provider base, but we actually have a new physician starting in our practice over the summer. So we also have to plan for that, which is also important. We have a production board that is also a very important tool that we use in our office because with less staff, it's oftentimes hard to know who's responsible for whom. So who's on call? Who's Dr. Flack's nurse? Who's Dr. Sandu's nurse? This is important so that we have an awareness if somebody has a question. We also used some of this learning to um, make a pod so that there were more than one person. So if I come out of the room and my flow manager is busy, I know somebody that I can go to to ask a question. And so I think that part of it has been really important. The huddles that we talk about are really integral to our day-to-day. As you're trying to do more with less, as we talked about, huddling is really important. I huddle with my flow manager the night before. I huddle with my flow manager between every patient. We have a daily huddle that we put on Teams. My manager will tape this so that if you couldn't watch it, you can do it asynchronously. That provides really important information about who's in the office, who needs help, are we going to get in-basket coverage, all of those things. The other really important thing that came out of this was our tier two huddle, which is a structured huddle system. And because we have had some opportunities at many offices during tier two, Jenny has talked to her managers. And if an office has open spots that need coverage, like suite 101 doesn't have enough clinical staff today, one of the other offices who is fully staffed will be able to share their nurse. So that has been really helpful because some offices had zero openings and some offices had 60% openings. We also have had provider transitions at one of our practices, and there are a number of providers that have gone to help cover the, the patients then as well. We wouldn't have been aware unless we called this out deliberately during that tier two huddle. So I give them a lot of credit and the managers really, really work well together. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be on that because I can see the collaboration that occurs. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we've learned since implementing our huddles about 18 months ago is that it really has opened up the visibility and transparency of the work to way more people so that people can help solve problems together. So those are some really creative ways that you talked about to improve the efficiency of the practice, um, like you said, doing more with less. Did you identify any other sort of behind the scenes opportunities to further improve the care of the patients? Sure. There were a lot of things that that we have been working on. So one thing that we have is in basketology um, coverage. So we have some providers as part of our stabilization efforts for the West. Um, and that has been a very challenging thing over the last few years. We've been given the opportunity to have these individuals who have been really helpful uh, because they're helping us to manage indirect work while I'm seeing patients. As I'm seeing a patient in the office, indirect work is piling up. And so they do help us with that, and they help coordinate getting patients their answers quicker, which is very important. 
Um, we got that idea initially from exit interviews from providers. Again, I mentioned about the stay interviews, but also as people leave, you can learn things that you could do better in addition. There are a lot of low-hanging fruits, I'll call them, that I also learned about. Uh, and as a provider, I made myself aware. So if a patient doesn't need anything at the end of a visit, I can print their AVS and I can just send them out. They don't need to have anyone discharge them from the room. If I can respond back to them directly through the portal, I don't have to send it to my clinical pool. So that's one less step that uh, is required to get somebody their information. Uh, if someone needs a refill and we give the refill at the appointment, they won't call back in for extra refills at a different time. We also have had some opportunities to work on the one-touch rule. So Kathy Dottery and I have really gone out to the offices. One-touch rule was a, was a project that we designed so that people can pass information in a more appropriate way so that you can answer in one touch. So rather than say, please advise, get the information up front. So the front desk can get information, pass it to the clinical staff who can then pass it to the provider to answer quickly. So we've been very... Uh, We've been very invested in trying to get this rolled out to all of our service line. Um, we've had a lot of really good learnings from that um, that have sparked some additional improvement efforts. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, certainly, I'm sure it saves a lot of time if you're touching something only once. Was it difficult to implement these new processes, Steve? And what could other practices learn from your experience? Well, I think change is always difficult. Uh, we learn a lot in lean. You know, we call these opportunities rather than challenges. I try to look at it that way, although some days I'll admit it's not as easy as others. Um, but, you know, they talk a lot about fail forward fast and, you know, innovation and continuous improvement. So that's like the Kaizen idea. So holding people accountable, again, following the tools, working on the projects, um, you know, tracking the A3s, updating them regularly. These were all important. You know, learning from people, hearing from people that were, that were not having a good experience was also important. Sharing and making certain that we're all on the same page. You know, um, Tainchi Ono talks about standardization. And without standards, we can't have innovation. So if we don't have standards in the practice and everyone's not in agreement, it's hard to come up with new ideas on how to make things better. And that goes not only just with the practice, but amongst practices. And actually, I've had some opportunities to work along the service line in other regions as well. So I think that's really important. Taking learnings from someone else that's doing things in a different way is really an important part. Because if they figured out a better way to do things, then you can also learn to do that as well. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you've really taken this as a learning experience and the innovations that you all have come up with. I know we're spreading across our medical group, so that's really exciting. It seems like you've made some significant improvements as well with helping team members collectively manage their work, take advantage of tools, you know, um, assist with some of the more time consuming tasks, which is really important right now, especially when there are staffing shortages. But I know you well enough to know that you have bold ideas, uh, probably bolder than what you've told us about so far. So tell us about your long-term goals and how you want to continue to encourage collaboration in your practice teams to keep them thinking not just about what's right in front of them, but to be thinking about a year or even five years from now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really blessed to be in a wonderful service line. Uh, I feel very passionately about primary care and the opportunities that we have in front of us um, to help our patients and make certain that we continue to provide great quality care. I think that is really important that we have these projects. And I think it's really important that we look at things that support our mission for engage and innovate and deliver and thrive. And all of the project A3s that we work on really should come back to the parent A3 and back to those. 
you shouldn't be working on things if it's not going to support one of the um, main goals for the organization. And so we have a lot of really cool things that are in place. And right now, you know, we're continuing to try to expand our advanced patient-centered medical home, making certain that people are aware. Uh, team-based care is really an important part. So whether or not that's in your office, which right now we're struggling with, or whether or not it's centralized services, I think that's really an important part. So using the centralized services that are available so that we can make them better, I think is really uh, a great way to uh, expand opportunities for our medical home teams. I'm currently working with um, some of our specialty colleagues in my region. We have, have had some challenges with access to specialty practices, but limiting barriers, making certain that we understand what needs to happen for each referral, I think is really important. And so I'm working with some of them about some clinical practice guidelines, what's important for you to know at the time you see the patient so that they can act on it. Sort of like the one-touch rule that we talked about before. If I do all the tests and I add all the things that I need to, then they can action on the thing that they need to much more quickly, and they can send that back to that patient back to me. Um, we're still trying, of course, to fill open spots in the office, but I realized that we may never get back to the numbers that we had before. Uh, previously, we had a pretty expanded uh, office model with a number of extra staffing, and it's really hard to imagine that we're going to have those same people come in. However, Jenny Smith and I uh, have met with uh, our talent acquisition people uh, in our region, and we have some opportunity now to have another Project A3 that goes to uh, reach out to schools and talk to the students at the time that they're thinking about um, career choices and uh, there are some opportunities there that I think that we can really use uh, to engage young, interested uh, pe uh, people. We also have um, some RN level staffing opportunities. So I had the opportunity to meet with Kim Bahada and talk with her about some ideas on, on RNs that are potentially interested in working in an outpatient setting. We do have some RNs that are now, but I'd really like to see that you know, get expanded, which I think would be quite helpful. We've had some pharmacy support. And again, as one of our patient-centered medical home efforts previous, we've had some embedded pharmacy support at one of my practices in Waynesboro. They're helping to manage the Coumadin. Uh, right now, we're going to expand that to our office at Philadelphia Avenue in another way to try to help take care of some of these more complex things, safety, uh, medication management. But also, there's some different things that they can help us out with. There's medication reconciliation, there's uh, care gaps that need to be done, there's med interactions that, that come up and we get that information on a day-to-day -day basis. So helping uh, our primary care providers uh, and expanding that opportunity, I think would be really great. That's amazing. Well, I think you have about 40 more ideas to implement, so that's good. That will keep us busy for the rest of the year. You know, one last question for you today, Steve. What advice would you give other leaders and teams who want to initiate some of their own work redesign projects? I think the most important thing is probably communication. Meeting, talking, understanding, putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Uh, we talk a lot about that in respect for people on why is it important. But understanding everyone's role, I think, is good. And making sure everyone's on the same page. I think that is really important to do something. You know, again, we're trying to align and we're trying to understand and try to move forward. And we can only do that as a team. So we need to make certain that we get everyone together and move forward together. Yeah, it sure seems like it takes a village these days to take care of our communities. So those are fantastic goals. And I'm sure you and your practices will achieve all that you've set out to do. So that's all of our time for today. Thanks again, Steve, for chatting with me and sharing your innovative work redesign efforts with our listeners.